Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. If you have a Bible, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 is uh, where we're going to be today. And I read out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download Uversion, great app, um, or Bible Hub. Those are two apps I use in my daily devotions. That's one of our core practices. We've been reading through the book of Ephesians as a church, and um, it's been really, really uh, amazing um, to spend that much time in one book. And I, I hope that's been beneficial and so helpful to you. You know, one of our... Um, our, our word for this year is inconvenient faith. We've been talking about that all year, that convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And, and I, I believe that following Jesus is not always the easy choice. It's not always the easy decision. And what can happen is you can become a passive observer when you desire to be a passionate follower. You can end up in the valley of dry bones because you can drift into it and you look around, you're like, what just happened? Where am I? What's going on in my life? Why am I not over here experiencing Isaiah 43? Behold, I'm doing something new. Why, why is God not doing a new thing? Because God's all about new things. And, and I believe it's because of the slow drift and there's so many things that pull at us. That the next thing you know, you don't realize, man, where has where Jesus gone in my life? And so that's why we have these eight core practices. These, these practices don't save you, but they, they're, they're like a light. Uh, Pastor Sybil, come on, last week, Pastor Sybil did. That was so good. She talked about that, those lights. It's like those lights that lead us out of that dark cave. And we have eight of those practices, daily devotion, sacrificial serving, uh, generous giving. Thank you for your financial generosity. I mean, we can't, somebody came in this morning and they greeted me. You want to you greet your pastor and get him to go, whoo, man, I just felt the spirit on me. They walked in. I said, good morning. They said, where do I put my offering? <laughs> I love you. I mean, that, that's amazing. Like I'm coming to the house of God and I'm going to give him my offering. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do is to give. I just love doing it, whether it's here in this church or in people's lives. And by the way, if you're wondering, where do I put my offering? Uh, you can use the envelopes and the chair backs. There's orange buckets in the back. You can drop it back there, or you can do what I do, and that is give online. That's the easiest way. We have a lot of different apps. You can use it that way as well. But we have all these different practices that we have, and so we're in our core practice of godly friendships. And we believe that it's about having the right friends. And, and it's not easy. We're actually calling this series Inconvenient Friendships, which is weird because you're like, well, that's kind of weird. My friendship shouldn't be inconvenient. Come on. Do you, how many times do you say to somebody, hey, we need to get together? Hey, let's do coffee. And, and then um, you, you never hear from them or you go, next time you see them, man, I did not text. It's hard. We all get busy and we got to be intentional about it. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we're wrapping up this series which has been so good talking about godly friendships. But we're in chapter six. If you're new to the scriptures, Ephesians uh, was not just dropped out of the sky. This was written by a guy named Paul. 
who was an apostle, and he started all these churches all around the world. Like, we have a church today because of the Apostle Paul. Come on, give him some props right now. Just come on, give him some props. Thank you, Paul. We're going out and doing what you did because that's why we have a church today. I'm sure right now Paul's going, really? That's all you got for me? A golf clap? That's it? Man, I, I gave, okay. But Paul wrote, so he started all these churches, and he um, had this church in Ephesus. And so he would write letters to the church. So um, they didn't have this book like this. So if you're new to church, they didn't have this. They had the Old Testament. Uh, they had the Hebrew uh, scriptures, but they didn't have these. These were new. And so he wrote this letter, and it was written to the church. And let's go uh, chapter 6. Uh, look at verse 10. So he's written this. This is a letter. And at the end of the letter, he says, oh, yeah, yeah, one last thing, a final word. So it's like Paul is like, this is the exclamation point to my letter. Um, he says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you're going to be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you are not my enemy. You are not my enemy enemy. Some of y'all turn to your spouse or your kids or whatever right now. You just turn to your spouse. I am not your enemy. Well, you were about 10 minutes before this service started. <laughs> but but we, we're not fighting against each other. You're not fighting against your boss. You're not, you're not fighting against your coworker or, or, or your neighbor. <laughs> Can't get an amen to that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I was talking to somebody about yesterday and they said, yeah, my neighbor is an EGR. That's inside, by the way. EGR means extra grace required. Anybody got one of those neighbors? Uh, oh, okay. Um, if you don't, you are that neighbor. All right. Uh, we're not, fighting, we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. I like how he doesn't just say, you know, he says mighty powers. The, the enemy has power, okay? So often we're like, uh, he doesn't have anything. He's, he's just, he doesn't have it. He has lots of power, okay? But he does not have power over God. That is why we have our hearts and our minds and our souls locked into Jesus. Because alone, he will take you out. But we need, we need the power of God because the enemy cannot stand against the power of God. Go down to verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Some of you are familiar with this. Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of the devil. Devil. Uh, then after the battle, you're going to stand firm, stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Man, I loved when uh, Pastor Sybil last week, she just like hammered down on her Bible with a fist and she said, this is truth. And I was like, preach it, sister. Because it is. This is the truth. What we're doing right now, by the way, taking time to read the scriptures is a practice that's been done in the church for 2,000 years. Actually, it's been done even before that. Our Jewish brothers and sisters read the scriptures in the synagogue every week. And we are just joining in our 
time. We're taking our place. You're standing right now. You're saying, all right, I'm taking my place right now to stand for the truth. That's what you're doing right now. So he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's pray now. Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for this moment we have to talk together, to listen to you. May your spirit be present in this room. May we hear from you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Okay, now you can sit down. So as followers of Jesus, um, we are called to a life of, of discipleship. Uh, discipleship is kind of a fancy word for, for growing in Christ. And at, at Core Church, our practice of discipleship is something we call godly friendships. And that, that's intentional. And if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down because this is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Friendship is discipleship, and discipleship is friendship. Friendship is discipleship, and discipleship is friendship. I remember the first time I, I heard someone say that, and I thought, wait, what? But boiling it down, this is what discipleship is. How do I know that? I found it to be so true because you are discipled by your friends, and you are discipling your friends. You're influenced by the whatever your friends do, you do. You end up dressing like your friends, talking like your friends, going where your friends go, uh, listening to what your friends listen to. I mean, just is how this works, and we end up discipling each other. And so I want to start today with talking about this idea of friendship, godly friendships, because the church is not a corporation. I don't know where that all started or how that even began, but somehow the church has started to become this corporation. It is not a corporation. It should never, ever be compared to a corporation. If you ever hear any leader anywhere say, you know, the church is like Amazon. Now, I, I get it when you're doing illustrations and things like that, but sometimes it'll get, you know, the church is like eBay. The church is like, you know, Sears and Roebuck. I mean, the church is this. No, the church is not a corporation. The church is a community. We're a community. We, we are held together. The bond that holds us together as the body of Christ is relationships. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them right now and say, we are held together as the body of Christ. We are held together as the body of Christ. So I wanted to invite our staff because I wanted to ask the staff if they would come up today and they would help me share on this final week of this series. Because, uh, yeah, you can give them some love. This is really how we approach our staff. We approach our staff as a, from the position of relationships. Uh, we recognize that we're not a corporation. And we've intentionally made a decision as a staff that we wouldn't operate as like employees. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, anybody? You go to work and you operate as employees, right? They're, they're, maybe you have some friends there, but the idea of the place you work is not an idea of friendship. But the church was set up to be a place where we are friends because friendship is discipleship and discipleship is, is friendship. And so this is how we have approached our church, our, our, our staff, excuse me. And we have intentionally worked hard to build our relationships together. We, we do a lot of things together outside of this environment, like what's some of your favorite things that we, we do together? 
I like PJ and pancakes. I mean, first of all, just the name of it, PJ and pancakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, where can you go and wear your PJs? You have to explain well, that. Well, besides Walmart. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> oh, no, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. PJs and pancakes is our Christmas party that we have, and it's at their house, and uh, Brad flips the pancakes, and we all wear our, our pajamas, and they have stockings for all the kids. And this last year, JC, Megan, and Sean's daughter uh, sang with Eric and oh, yeah. sang for us. And, oh, and we sang, yeah. And we sang Christmas carols. Oh, Usually, so Evelyn will get on the piano too. And <laughs> That's my favorite. We yes. fight over the gifts. I still have. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, where are you? He still owes me a box of turtles. <laughs> You know those and, and candies, turtles, the chocolate-covered yeah, 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 yeah. caramel nut. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yes. then we egg hunt together. We have a we have a massive. So I uh, I have forty acres that I own. Um, <laughs> that's I don't own forty acres. Somebody well, I else it, I does. I think it was Sybil that said, I, "Did you count how many eggs that the guys hunt? Like that we sent all the guys out to like like hide them all." And I was like, "No." So we, we didn't know how many eggs. It was like some like 12 apiece because I don't even know how many kids we had. Yeah, well, and sending out the guys too. I mean, that was, I mean, because afterwards we just stood around for 20 minutes and just talked. And then we realized, <laughs> oh, there's an egg hunt going on. But we were just back in the woods we know, doing what guys do. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. but I, but we were, I don't know. Somebody knows what that means. Yeah. It was, it was, by the way, that was Eric, Eric and I yesterday because a limb had oh. fallen at his house. And uh, there were two guys that kind of knew what they were doing. And Eric and I were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so guys do. And we didn't have a clue what we were doing. I had a chainsaw in my hand. So that, yeah. Yeah. that's very Zero dangerous. Two. Let's talk about the 4th of July, though. Come oh, on, let's. let's oh. 4th of July, oh. that is one of my favorites. So on the 4th of July, we go over to Brad and Laura's. And uh, as a parent that has kids there, it's fantastic <laughs> because... I, I just step back and just kind of watch the chaos of my kids coming up to Brad going, Pastor Brad, Pastor Brad, Pastor Brad, Pastor Brad, can we light this one? Pastor Brad, can we light this one? And so I just sit back and I'm just like, man, this is like a little vacation here. And he just kind of handles the chaos of our kids, of their kids just running amok, lighting things that explode. Well, I was going to say, it gets a little scary when you think about Eric. Uh, Curtis, Sean, and Brad, and explosives. Well, yeah. When you think of Isaac with a punk in his hand, <laughs> Isaac is Eric and Sib's little boy, yeah. and he's like, Pastor Brad, light my punk, and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> what was the one that we tore out, like, because someone lit it this year, and we all went, I've never seen people move so fast. Oh, because it came shooting at yeah. us. Yeah, it was like oh, shooting this way and shooting that way. That was. I thought Eric lit that one. <laughs> <laughs> I it is, did. but I, I even this year i strategically said all right and i got eric and i and i, I got all the guys and i said okay yeah. you, i need your help this year and one by one they drifted to the dessert table <laughs> yeah. until it was like pastor brad like this pastor brad pastor brad pastor brad pastor brad right. they were like those you know you know the birds in that what's the, the movie where they're mine 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 oh, mine, yeah, mine, yeah, yeah. Finding nemo mine yeah. mine yeah. mine 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 yeah. My favorite, though, is our Halloween uh, that we do. It's just so fun. We, all the kids, uh, they all come over. We do soups. And um, uh, then we have the kids. We all walk around the neighborhood with Otis, our big dog. And there's like two 
right? There's two uh, scary houses yeah, that we stop at. Yeah. Well, they said, and, no, no, let's clarify that. It's not just there's two scary houses. Everybody's got a, <laughs> you know, you got a scary house in your neighborhood, don't you? That's the scary house. Oh, yeah, don't go near those people. They, they do but this. they do it on purpose. Yeah, they set up haunted houses. So it's negotiable about who's going to go and, and what kids are going to go. Because some of the stuff's kind of crazy they do. Oh, yeah. But this is, this is when, we, when we talk about friendship, we intentionally model it that way. And this is what our groups are like. You, you kind of heard Derek and Amy saying this yeah. too. It's like those of you that are do group life together, you know that it's about friendship. And, and Paul says in, in several of his letters, he refers to the church as the body of Christ. And he does that intentionally because he talks about in several of his letters that we're all different. We're all unique. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you're very unique. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you're you're very unique. unique. But we we each have a role. You have different abilities. You have different gifts. You have different personalities. We have different personalities and different things we bring to to Uh, the uh, table. Yes, we do. Uh, Sib's personality is... um, she has a question for everything. Oh. And if something is, a friend of ours has her name in his phone as question. It doesn't say Sybil. It doesn't say Sib. It just says question. That is definitely, that is definitely Sib's personality. Okay, here's mine. Who up here brings a home-cooked breakfast to staff meeting? While we all have to, we all have to sit there. They bring eggs and bacon and toast and coffee. And we have Eric. to sit there and watch them eat it. Eric. <laughs> Who does that? the weirdest thing. The guy brings like oatmeal and toast and bacon and sits in our staff and he's eating breakfast. <laughs> We're all like, like looking at him going. I'm like, did you not have time at home to, uh, to do this? If he's not doing that, he's singing. Yeah. Oh, have? yes, yes. Anybody got anybody at work that sings, you know, and just Nike up the song, you know, like the overhead is singing? You know what I'm talking about? Like you hear a little song and they just start singing along? That's, that's Eric. That's... Well, Brad is a visionary, which... Oh! oh. Hey, now. Hey, oh. we're, we're trying to show the love of Jesus in this place. Come on now. That went out the window. <laughs> we're being true, right? Authentic. Uh, what, what that means is that he comes up with these fantastic creative ideas, like let's put baptism in the lobby, things like that. But usually it happens late Thursday afternoon. We don't work on Fridays, but late Thursday afternoon, he'll come up with a brilliant idea to change everything, and he wants it done by Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's if, that's if we're not getting the 8 a.m. text on Sunday <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that says, what do you think about, which is code for get it done yeah. by <laughs> nine. I single-handedly almost destroyed the host team. Like they almost all the entire host team, not kidding, this was a couple years ago, the entire host team almost quit because they were so frustrated because of a change I made at like 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I, I, so I, I, try, I try not to. Megan, you're being really quiet. That's okay. <laughs> so not only is it about friendship, but it should be about friendship. Because friendship is discipleship, and discipleship is friendship. The people that you're running with in your circles, I, this is, I'm very intentional about this with this group is... Um, Whenever we have had a new staff member come in, an important part for me has been chemistry. Yeah. Like, do we, are we even going to get along? 
Um, because we're going to do, we're intentionally going to do life together. And I think that's so important when you're in groups, that when you're seeking out a group, it's, it's okay to go to a group and go, man, I'm just not, I'm not, I don't click with these people. This is not my, my personality. Uh, it's not my stage of life. It's, um, Hey, they're all, they're all, we have some people that are like, man, I don't want to be just with people my age. I want to be with people that are younger than me or older than me. It's so important that you find those people that you when you see them, you're like, man, I not only want to see you when we get together for our core group, but I just wanted, I want us to do life together. And I would encourage you in your groups to begin to, if you're not already, do things outside a group. Like get together, do, do what you saw the millennials talking about, go on a canoe trip, do something where you're doing life together. But it's not just about friendships. Uh, I, I think that can get lost that we could say, well, it's just about having friends and being friends. Um, but it's the body of Christ and, and the critical element in this is godly friendships. You can be friends with anybody. Yeah. But uh, we've been talking about throughout this series about having godly friendships. And Paul tells us why it is so important. If you look again at verse 12 and verse 13, he says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That's why it matters. Turn to somebody and say, that's why it matters. That's why it matters. It's why it matters that you're here in this room. It's why it matters that you are doing life with other people because he says, we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Like, you should pause there and just go, whew, that's a lot. There are a lot of forces that are working against you. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, say this with me, so you will be able to resist the enemy. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, we normally read and think of this passage as, as individuals. I get up in the morning, I put on my armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, da, 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 and I go out to battle the enemy and battle the world and battle my boss and battle everything around me and I do it alone. I, w- I want you to rethink this. Paul wrote this to the church. He didn't write this to a bunch of individuals. He wrote this to the church. And what Paul is really saying here is he's talking to the church and he says, no, 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 no. You got to suit up with the armor of God and go into battle together. Think about that. You go out alone on the battlefield, good on David and Goliath, but that's one story. And we over-sensationalize that. I'm going to be like David. I'm going to get out on the battlefield. I'm going to slay my giant. Well, good on you by yourself. Good luck with that. Because it's probably not going to happen. You've got to have the body of Christ surrounding you. Why do you need the body of Christ? Because the enemy isn't fighting alone. Why would you be fighting alone? Did you catch all the different forces? You got evil rulers, authorities, mighty powers in the dark world, evil spirits, yada, 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 yada. All of that, the enemy's like, I'm not coming out alone. So why would we go out alone? We were never meant to battle alone. Come on, turn to somebody in front of you and behind you and tell them you were not meant to battle alone. You were not meant to battle alone. I like to think of it like this. I want to, what we're talking about today is the church's armor bearers. We need to be armor bearers for one another. Be people who will support each other and say, hey, you need the helmet of salvation. Let me help you with that. You need the shoes of peace right now. You need the sword of the spirit. Let me, let me help you with that right now. 
and, and going out on that battlefield together. And I really think that's what our, our staff has done. Uh, we have been through some really, really crazy battles over the years, each one of us. Um, and I'd love for you guys to talk about what it's meant to have this group of people on this stage surrounding you in those seasons. Yeah, I, I think for us it's, uh, it's been critical uh, to our to our marriage, to our family, to have have support and to have people that uh, show up. I mean, uh, specifically showing up in in person uh, and just the power of that presence is is really good. You want to unpack on that? Um, yeah, we went through a loss during the shutdown, and it was so um, lonely for our family. And just um, I really struggled with thoughts of like um, I caused it or it was my fault. And, Y'all showed up in such a tangible, like, boots on the ground showed up for us. Yeah, because that was such a lonely time. I mean, I think we can all relate to the loneliness of the, of the start of the pandemic and none of us really knowing what was going on and just feeling so alone and isolated. Um, and, then a, and then a tragedy on top of that. A tragedy on top of a tragedy is what we experienced. Um, and when you're alone, the enemy, uh, the fiery arrows of the enemy oh. is really the lies that he speaks over yeah. you to tell you... Like during that season, what was the, what was that like for you guys? Oh, I remember specifically just feeling like it was always going to feel that way, wow. and that that was the that was the tailspin that I just felt like I was in, <laughs> that it was always going to hurt like this, it was always going to feel this way, and I'm the only person that's ever experienced something like this. That was the the full kind of brunt of the arrows I felt like that were coming at me for sure. Uh, but then when you all showed up. That, that was just, I mean, that, that, was the, that was the peace that was ushered in in that, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I still remember that. Yeah. And I remember telling Laura, um, we, we, gotta, we just need to go over to their house. And I remember uh, standing there on your porch and going, and you all think like, well, Brad's the pastor, so he always knows what to say. Sometimes it's harder being the pastor because everybody expects that I know what to say. And what I remember in that moment was just, just be present. Yeah, yeah. Just show up in somebody's life. Yeah. When I think so many times uh, in that particular moment, um, it can be easier um, to say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, like let, let's say for yeah. us, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What difference could I make? And honestly, when you're in a crisis, it, it feels weird and awkward, and um, but what it does for people is when you come into that, what we all don't realize in the moment, it's normalizing that hurt happens. Mm, yeah. It's not minimizing it. It's right. normalizing that because you're just in such a crisis. But um, I think that it it brings such. Um, beauty of of the presence like what you said but i think a lot of times we don't do it because we don't know what to do i think what's hard too is um and paul i'd like for you to share because i know you've been through a season sometimes it's um and this is not a a knock on anything i I hope you'll understand what i'm saying here but sometimes as a as a staff you look at us and you say they don't have problems they're fine right they, they've got it all figured out. And what we have realized over the years in, in is, um, and we have to be there for one another. 
and we can't just show up as employees because you know, you, do you know when you, you know like when you're going through it and you go to work and everybody's just wanting the report. They're wanting you to get, get, just get, get this done. I need you to get this done. They don't, yeah. it's, I don't even know that they don't really care. It's just, you guys are, your employees. You're not in this deep relationship with each other. And I think what we've learned over the years, and this is what core groups learn too, because am I right? Like you're in a core group and sometimes you're in a room like this and you're going, does anybody even know what I'm mm, going through? Yeah. yeah. And then you see somebody who knows what you're going through. Yeah. And there's just something powerful in that, and that's the power of our, our groups. And I know that was really meaningful for you, Paula, during that season. Yes, we had a, a, had a trauma hit me and my family. And I just remember when I called you two, they were actually on their way on vacation. <laughs> so do you have a minute? And he's like, well, I've got 12 hours of driving in front of me, so <laughs> I do. But when I called and told you what had happened... Um, your response to me was, you did nothing wrong. You did everything right, and we're going to stand by you. Mm. And Laura said, we're going to protect you. Mm. And there, that just was a, a shield of faith for me. Mm. And the whole staff, then when, after uh, it was Christmas break, and when we came back staff meeting, Brad was like, forget staff meeting, we're praying for you. And they just sat me in the middle and surrounded me and prayed for me. And through a long, long season um, of crisis, they prayed for me. But uh, the protection that I had was that you protected me spiritually because you would check in on me, make sure I was reading scripture, I was praying, I was leaning into God. And that was a protection for me. But this was also a safe place for me. It, anything that I wanted to share, um, it, it, I could share it and receive love and encouragement without judgment. Yeah. But it was also safe because it was confidential. Mm. And I was really battling a lot in my mind. I felt tainted. I felt mm. like mm. Um, I was scared I was going to be uh, taken off staff. I was scared that I was not going to um, be able to continue to have my minister's license. Um, just really afraid that the information was going to get in the wrong person's hands and it was going to be twisted and my reputation would be at stake and the church's reputation would be at stake and all that weight was yeah. on my shoulders. But what you all did was you continually told me the truth. You did nothing wrong. You did everything right and we're going to stand by you. Uh, this, wow. You know, in Paula's case, she literally did nothing wrong, but the enemy was telling her, yeah. oh, it's yeah. all your fault, and this is your, this is, you ever had that where you're like, wait, I didn't do anything. What I love about our groups, though, is sometimes you, sometimes you do do something wrong, <laughs> but you have this place where you can go and say, here, Here's what's going on. Here's, here's what's happening. You have these relationships and some of these, these friendships. I think what happens too in groups is many times you can feel like, and I think this is sometimes what keeps people from stepping into groups is, well, I'm not spiritually ready. You know, when I become more mature in my faith, then I'm, then I'm going to get into a group because you feel intimidated. I'm going to get in there and they're all going to figure out I don't know the Bible. Right. Okay. Right. Can, I let's, can I let the cat out of the bag on here, out of, uh, on this one? Okay. 
the majority, I wish this were not true, but the majority of people of, who follow Jesus do not read their Bible. You think it's the opposite. You think you're the only one who doesn't read your Bible. The truth is that people who spend daily time and daily devotions is about maybe, maybe 25%, maybe. About 75% of us in this room, we're just, we don't read the scriptures. And you need to be in a place where you can say, I'm not, I'm not reading the scriptures. Could somebody help me? Mm. And what I have yeah. seen is men and women who weren't reading scripture are now reading scripture yes. for the very first time yeah. because they're receiving encouragement yeah. from their uh, fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So if maybe you're in that position where you say, like, I don't want to get in a group because I, I just don't know if I belong. I want to introduce you to Megan Spears. Because <laughs> <laughs> if there's uh, one person uh, on our staff, and Megan, you got to speak to this. If there's one person on our staff who feels like, I'm way out of my league. These people all have ministry degrees. They all have the pastor tag on them. And Megan is just like, nope, I'm just the administrative person here. Talk, talk about that, <laughs> Megan, what you deal with. Uh, it hit really early on coming in because um, I knew that I really enjoy admin work. What I did previously was reports and everything behind the scenes, guys. <laughs> Did not include being in front of people. Um, <laughs> she actually didn't even want to be up here. She was like, we called her into the meeting and said, okay, we're all going to get together and talk about what we're going to do. And she said, why am I in this meeting? Because <laughs> you're going to be on stage. She's yeah. like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but the enemy kept feeding mm. me thoughts of, I am not equipped I'm not worthy to sit at the table. Um, I'm not good enough. And all I am is to sit in my office, print papers, do reports, call people. And that was a lie. <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that. I am really glad there, to hear you say I that. I think she just got some victory right there. <laughs> Woo! My palms are sweaty, but... <laughs> hey, so I'm going to um, share some. I share this with uh, pastors everywhere, um, but I want to share this with you is what's funny is uh, if you don't feel qualified to be in your core group, you are probably the one that should be leading your core group. Mm. <laughs> Here's why. Because Megan has always felt like the least qualified. And so our core groups, most of our core groups, they break into what we call gender groups. Men get with men, ladies get with ladies, and they pray together. But they also do something called win witness word. So they will share about a win. Where's God showing up in your life? And then they'll share a word, like a scripture they've been reading. And it's so great, guys. We'll go around a circle. We'll go, I didn't read. I didn't read. I didn't read. I didn't read. And, and, and they just help each other, encourage each other. But the, the, the witness part of that is where we talk about the intercede, invest, inform. Who are you praying for? Have you had an opportunity to do good in their life? And have you had an opportunity to even share Jesus with them? And we started this about four or five years ago as a staff. And I remember Megan, when we first started, Megan was like, uh-uh, I, I can't, I can't, I don't know, I don't have the, I am introverted, I'm not. And she was sweating every week. And she would go, I failed, I failed, I failed. And we would just encourage her and encourage her and encourage her. And then, and then she's one, I don't remember when it was, but then she said, well, I started praying for my neighbor. And then we come back and she said, well, I'm still praying for my neighbor. 
And then I remember she said one time, um, I waved at my neighbor, which if you don't know Megan, that was a big deal. Like you waved at your, yeah, I waved at my neighbor. Yeah. I know this sounds weird, but it was like an intentional wave. Does that make sense? It was, she was intentionally going, I want my neighbor to know about the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus. So I'm going to start with a wave. Some of y'all just need to start with a wave. And then you fast forward several years and all of a sudden Megan was showing up and she goes, well, so um, I've gotten to know my neighbor and now I'm texting with my neighbor and my neighbor came over and we, I was praying for my neighbor and now I'm inviting my neighbor to, into the core group and I'm sharing, Je- and sharing Jesus with our neighbor. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> and what happened was Megan taught me, me as a pastor, taught me how to share my faith. I watch her every week and, and, and how she shares. And I just learned from that because she would say, yeah, so my neighbor was there and I was just really tired. I was getting out of my car, da, 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 but I knew I needed it. They needed me. So I took some time with my neighbor and I was sitting there thinking, man, I went and got the mail from the mailbox, saw my neighbor and darted back into the house because I didn't want to talk to him. And God used that moment to say, Brad, what are you doing? You have an opportunity to share faith with your neighbors, and Megan is the one who led the way on that. This is why we're encouraging you right now to get into a group, because the church is not a corporation. We're a community. Relationships is what holds us together. Um, It's why you come into this room. That's why we are here in this room because relationships what holds us together. But it's not just about being in this room, but it's about being in, in godly friendships together to being in core groups. That's why we're saying, hey, get in a core group for the next four weeks as we go through our, our core practices together. Get in that group because Paul says this in verse 13, then after the battle, then after the battle, praise God, the battle will end. There is an end to the battle. And when it ends, you will be what? Say it with me, church. Standing firm. And I would add to that, and you won't be standing alone. You'll look around and you'll be like, look who's standing with me. And they'll be like, I know what that battle was like. And I stood with you in that battle. And you're going to have these memories in these moments and you're going to come through it. and You're going to be stronger than you ever were before. Don't stand alone. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't stand alone. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at Core Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.